Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. All rise. The court is now in session. The case on trial is the matter of the Non-Human Rights Project, Inc., on behalf of Happy, versus James Brahini, director of Bronx Zoo. Good morning, everybody. This is Judge Tracy Bannister. Welcome to Albion. For those of you who aren't local, what a beautiful morning it is, isn't it? That's how it started, on November the 4th, 2018, in a village in upstate New York, between Rochester and Niagara Falls and just across Lake Ontario from Toronto. It soon moved to a courtroom in the Bronx, presided over by Judge Alison Tewitt. And two years later, next month, the legal circus will move again, this time to the grand stuccoed Court of Appeals on Madison Avenue. So far, we've explored Happy's life and learned about elephant intelligence, empathy and emotion in order to understand how the elephant came to be in the room, specifically the courtroom. It's the punchline to the joke that never was. This episode is about the battle for Happy's future, what happened and why, and how somewhere along the way this long-suffering elephant, separated from her own kind, came to be pulled this way and that by two opposing factions, each claiming to have her best interests at heart. But that's not really what it's about. It's not about zoos and circuses and whether an elephant should move from New York to Tennessee. Happy's future is a proxy for bigger, deeper questions. How do we live with animals in our world today? Every day, we learn more about the complexity of their brains and the sensitivity of their emotions. Given that, can we continue to treat them like, well, our vassals? Or as Stephen Wise, the self-professed lawyer for Happy and his supporters believe, is now the time for a fundamental re-reckoning of the relationship between human and non-human animals? Slow News is a podcast made by us here at Tortoise. We're a news publisher, in an app, online, in our daily SenseMaker email and, as you already know, in podcasts. What's different about us is that we investigate what's driving the news and we'd love you to join us. By becoming a member of our newsroom, you'll get access to our journalism and you can join our open news meetings and help decide what matters in the world and how we should report it. To get access to all of Tortoise, all you have to do is download the Tortoise app, now available in the iOS or Google Play Store, and take a free trial. Next month, the two teams of lawyers will meet again, this time in New York's appeals court, or possibly on Zoom. 
We know what they will say. Their arguments will likely follow a path they have trodden before, in 13 hours of legal sparring, held over three days. This is what happened then. We've simplified it, cut out most of the finer legal jargon, and used some of our own witnesses to explain their points. The question has to be at some point, whose interest are you serving by taking everything Happy knows and dumping her into a new environment? I mean, I suppose my slightly sort of short-termist view initially was just, you know, that the outcome of this is that Happy gets moved to a sanctuary where she has choice. And when you boil it down to what's happening in zoos and aquariums and organizations like you're talking about and efforts to, to free Happy and so forth, it's, it's all part of the same problem. All we care about is happy. That happy is happy. That happy is happy. We know some of the legal arguments, and we've explored some of the emotional ones too. But what, Your Honour, is the verdict? And what is yours? Day one in court, September last year. Stephen Wise from the Non-Human Rights Project sets out his case. Now a person you know is not now and never has been and never will be synonymous with human being. It's a point he's had to deal with time and again, and he approaches it in two ways. Back in the 2018 court hearing, you can hear him tackle it like this. The first department is especially troubling by the fact they just simply say, hey, um, only humans can be persons. We say, well, we, you know, we have so been there before because at one time only white people could be persons, only men could be persons, only non-Chinese you know, people could not be persons, Native Americans could not be persons. We've been there before. We don't need to go there again. In the Bronx, he tacks in the opposite direction, listing existing persons that are not human. In New Zealand, the National Park has been declared to be a person. The Ganges River has been declared to be a person in India. Last year, the Colombian Constitutional Court held that that part of the Amazon rainforest that was within the country of Colombia is a person. Some corporations have even been deemed to be legal persons. And then there was Cecilia in Argentina. She was the first chimpanzee to be granted personhood. And the world hasn't exactly crumbled as a result. This is all well-trodden ground for Steve Wise and the Non-Human Rights Project. The majority of that September hearing in the Bronx was spent going through his previous habeas corpus hearings and explaining why, in each instance, the judge got it wrong. They started with Tommy. Tommy's a chimpanzee, and like Happy, he was living alone in a cage in a shed on a used car lot when Steve tracked him down. Unlike Happy, he did have a colour TV, as his then-owner liked to stress. Again, like Happy, Tommy had a past in showbiz. He'd work with space-age technology. This is going to be a whole new experience. I just hope I'm up to it. Not you. Them. These are monkeys. He supposedly played the role of Goliath in the 1987 film Project X. Be a good little chimp. Which, incidentally, was a pretty gross sub-animal house drunken party movie that rated a measly 28% on Rotten Tomatoes. Throttle forward. That's Come it. Come up. 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 Go up. That's right, pull it back. That's good, that's good. From the creators of War Games, Matthew Broderick, Project X. At the time Tommy would have been on the studio lot, Happy would have been performing tricks at Bronx Zoo with Grumpy. But Tommy's habeas petition and subsequent appeal was summarily rejected. 
For the judge presiding over Tommy's case, the main stumbling block was that Tommy couldn't bear legal duties and responsibilities. Basically, he couldn't pay taxes, obey the law or pitch up for jury duty. And so he couldn't be deemed a legal person. Those, incidentally, are the three responsibilities of a US citizen. In legal terms, what makes them a person? It's not about reading, writing or opposable thumbs. What makes you or me a person is taxation. Wise gives this short shrift. His case to Justice Stewart echoes the case he made in 2018. It's going to follow the third department. It's the only English-speaking case in the history of the world that's ever said that only entities who can bear duties can ever be persons. And as the first department even noted, well, well, there are millions of New Yorkers who cannot bear duties, but yet they're persons. And so they understood the fragility and the weakness of the third department decision themselves. And they said, what's really, what's really important is the fact that, uh, that, that, that the, the chimpanzee um, was not a human being. Well, that again is... Remember, if Steve can convince a court of Happy's personhood, then he can argue, using habeas corpus, that her detention, he calls it imprisonment, is illegal. Judge Alison Tewitt digs deeper into what defines imprisonment for an elephant. It's one of the joys of this case. It's a legalese battle that frequently delves into philosophy, ethics and society. What does it mean to be a person? For one court, it was the ability to bear rights and duties. For another, simply being a human being. For Steve, neither was correct. And a large part of that was, in his argument, that happy is an elephant. The question as to whether or not happy should have the right to liberty protected by a writ of habeas corpus, well, that's the question before you, and should should depend upon this court's assessment of the intrinsic nature of elephants as a species. Steve's deliberations on that come later. But first, the reason why the whole day had been consumed by battling precedents. And that's where the Bronx's first line of defence comes in. The background of collateral Collateral estoppel estoppel was was created created to to avoid avoid repeated repeated determinations. determinations. Multiple bites at the apple once a matter has been determined. And that matter proceedings has now been determined. What they're saying in those long wordy words, is that you're just saying the same thing over and over again. The Non-Human Rights Project has repeatedly failed in its habeas corpus petitions on behalf of animals. For Steve, the ability to repeatedly use habeas law was one of its main appeals, as he told me. There's another reason why we choose habeas corpus, <laughs> which is that, again, if, you, if I say that you run me down and I sue you and I lose, and then I sue you again, you you have an affirmative defense that says that which is called res judicata or claim preclusion, which means basically, look, buddy, you sued me, you lost, you only get one shot at it at the end, and then and the judge will throw the case out. Res judicata does not apply to habeas corpus cases. You can sue, you can bring them again and again and again and again. Steve argues that his previous clients were chimpanzees. Happy's a new client. Happy is an elephant. So how do you prove that an elephant, specifically happy, should be a legal person? For Steve, it comes down to autonomy. It's an idea that gets mentioned a lot in court. Here's Lucy Bates, the expert on elephant cognition, who filed an accompanying affidavit in support of Steve's case. How do you determine an elephant's autonomy? 
I think in this, I think we have to approach that in the same way as we would determine another human's autonomy. We can, realistically speaking, or scientifically speaking, we can only know our own mind. I know that I am an autonomous being. I am making my own decisions. I don't know what is going on in your mind. I cannot possibly ever know truly what is going on in your mind. But I can look at you. I can see that you're behaving in the same way that I do. You talk in the same way that I do. You you react to certain things in the same way that I do. So it's safe for me to assume that your brain must be working in the same way as my Not brain Not always, is. I have to say. <laughs> the moment. <laughs> to an extent. <laughs> but, but I think we can... You know, so so when it comes to humans, we're very happy to sort of apply that argument by analogy that, you know, because we are the same, because we look the same, we, we're probably the same inside as well. From my perspective, we can also apply that to animals. We, we can't look inside their minds and know what they're thinking or how they're thinking without language. But by looking at their behaviour and seeing if they react to certain situations in the same way that we do, for me it is then acceptable to assume that they're basing those reactions on the similar kind of mental processes that we base. Basically, elephants think for themselves like we do. They make plans like we do. Steve relies on the research of experts like Lucy to flesh out what it means to be an elephant in the wild. But Happy's a captive elephant. She left her forest home when she was tiny. She never had the chance to learn what it was to be a wild elephant. And captive elephants and wild ones are different, well, animals. Back in the courtroom, the battle over Happy's future continues. The argument moves on. Elephants have evolved to move. Holding them captive and confined prevents them from engaging in normal autonomous behaviour. There's that word autonomous again. But Steve is talking about the fundamental right to bodily liberty. And it's worth here winding back to how the Non-Human Rights Project chose Happy as a client. Their previous clients, Tommy, Hercules and Leo, had been chimpanzees. So, why an elephant? Well, because they're so extraordinarily cognitively complex. And there are experts who can testify to that. And they're autonomous. And we also thought that people kind of love elephants a lot. They love elephants. They, and more, we think more than chimpanzees. Chimpanzees, I think, are a little too close to us. But elephants have all of the cognition of chimpanzees, but they don't look like us at all. So we decided that we, for all these reasons, that we would try elephants. And we had been looking at the Bronx Zoo because they were essentially being kept alone and they're immensely social animals. And they'd been there for 40 years. The sanctuary would offer Happy the space to roam across thousands of acres in the company of others of her kind. We've heard about how elephants are social animals, how they cooperate and care for each other. However, the Wildlife Conservation Society, the Bronx Zoo, disagrees on two particularly interesting counts. One is something we've already heard. Happy doesn't get on with other elephants. Happy is in contact with Patty and Maxine. Happy, back up. She could touch them if she wants, she can hear them, but she's kept separately from them. Good girl. She can't be with other elephants. She just doesn't get along with them. Chunk and foot. People have this impression that they don't do well by themselves, but she's absolutely doing phenomenal. As they said in court, she becomes very distressed during short moves from one area of Bronx Zoo to the other. 
This isn't just an excuse. Moving her now could have tragic consequences. Listen to Gray Stafford, who started his career training orcas, as killer whales, at SeaWorld. Now, in happy situation, what I would also say is, Happy may not have an elephant family, but she has a family. Her keepers, her caretakers, that home that she's known for decades, that is her life. I do not think it's fair for outsiders, people who are not familiar with that individual animal. They may know the species in Africa or Asia. I think he's taking a pop here at Joyce and Lucy. 50-year history in that facility with those people taking care of her every single day. That's who her family is today. And to simply remove her from that and now stick her on a 500-acre ranch... To be fair, it's 2,700 acres. ...without her family, away from what she's known as her home, I'm not sure that that's in her best welfare interest. A lot of groups and a lot of lawyers assume that's true, but I'm not sure that is true. I've seen animals put into new situations, new learning situations, without preparing them for it, and it's devastating to their welfare and their health and their behavior. And it's it's a sad thing to see. So oh, there's an awful lot of presumption on the part of NHRP and others to presume to know that they know far more what's in her best interest than the people that have cared for her every single day for decades. You don't have to stop it happy. Investigate the story of Keiko, what happened to Keiko. Keiko is a cautionary tale about the perils of freeing animals it was almost two decades ago now, but the story is raw for many in the community. What happened to Keiko and his release and abandonment in the ocean, it was a crime. And it should make every animal welfare, animal rights person pissed. Because whether you're pro-zoo or not, it should, it should be devastating to everyone who cares about animals because that animal died alone. He was abandoned by the only family he knew, which were human beings. Keiko was an orca, social, intelligent, and potentially deadly. Orcas share many traits with elephants. The most unexpected friendship of the year. And Keiko, well, you may know Keiko. Stand. If we don't get Woody into water, soon he's going to die. Nobody steals a whale. We gotta hurry! He's not doing so good! Don't let that whale get away! Greatest adventure of the summer. Free Willy. But there was no Hollywood happy ending for him in real life. And for Grace Stafford and others in the community, it emphasises the tragic repercussions next month's court case could have. As soon as he left, and, and he didn't go find a pod to live with, he went straight, made a beeline towards Europe and went to what he knew, which were boats and people and he solicited attention and allowed complete strangers to hop on his back and do the kinds of things he knew how to do and experience because that's what he knew, that's who his family was and reminded him of the family he grew up with. And that wasn't good enough for these same people that are the same mindset you're talking about. They had to push the envelope and it cost him his life. Oh, that's so sad, okay. It is sad. Traffic jams tailgating, pile-ups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. 
The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Does what's going on in the American election scare and bemuse you in equal measure? Want to know what Biden and Trump are up to without tearing your hair out? Then you need to listen to American Friction, the brand new podcast about the countdown to the big vote in November from the makers of Oh God, What Now?, The Bunker and Paper Cuts. Every Friday, we'll speak to leading experts and blockbuster commentators from the United States to explain the latest news and the big issues behind the vote. That's American Friction with me, Jacob Jarvis. Me, Chris Jones. And me, Nikki McCann Ramirez. Out every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. It is very sad and it pisses me off. And if it if anything, let it reflect the fact that I'm not just a data-driven, fact-driven guy. I care about the individuals in my care and I care what happens on the planet. And so do 99% of the zoo people I've ever met or worked with. Keiko died of pneumonia, alone. The last thing anyone wants, we assume, is for the same to happen to Happy. And the zoo's lawyers brought up another compelling legal argument. Habeas law is about fleeing the plaintiff, in this case Happy, from unlawful imprisonment. But obviously you can't just turn Happy loose in New York City. I mean, imagine... The Non-Human Rights Project wants her to go to the Elephant Sanctuary. But that's not bodily freedom. That, in the words of the zoo's lawyers, is merely seeking to change the conditions of Happy's confinement and does not seek her immediate release from confinement. And this is the irony. It would be a human, a human animal if you wish, who would be determining where she would go. Here's Gray again. And as you can tell, he's really, really riled about it. And so now, if that were to happen, if, if their, their plans were to, to, to come to fruition someday, now you have a human being that's been appointed by the court, perhaps nominated by Non-Human Rights Project, to say, I think this is what's in the best interest of that animal. That, and they have no idea what that individual animal needs or wants or has experienced in its lifetime. To me, that is... It is ridiculous and anything but good welfare for that individual. It's offensive. What what the Non-Human Rights Project is proposing and wasting millions of dollars and a lot of lawyer time doing, which diverts us from the real problems of the world, is offensive on many, many levels. I see the keepers and the trainers out there in sub-zero temperatures and 100 degree plus days caring for their animals. And uh, these are people that are well-educated today. They're, you know, many of them have associate or four-year degrees or more. And they're doing it because they love what they do and the animals they care for, not because they're there to make a lot of money. And so for these carpetbaggers to come in and to presume to know everything there is to know about these individual animals is, is it's just scandalous. 
back in the courtroom for the third and final time. This court is now the 24th state Supreme Court justice who's the 24th judge to hear these cases. At some point, we should guess the petitioner ought to be bound by the prior precedent. These are the words of Kenneth Manning, the zoo's lawyer. And it's something he bangs home time and again over days one and three of the hearing. Whenever Stephen Wise talks about James Somerset or Happy's autonomy, Manning comes back to precedent. It's a reminder that this case is not about how happy Happy is. It's about the law. And the law matters because if Wise wins, a new precedent is set. And then all bets are off. For as the Bronx Zoo lawyers say, this isn't really just about Happy as an individual, nor about elephants as a species. It's about all animals. And it's about how we farm and eat and live with those animals, whatever Wise says. Then we file a lawsuit on against on behalf of Patty, and then yeah. and we and then we actually work our way through every elephant in New York. He's being a bit arch here, although he won't admit it publicly. He didn't stop doing paid doggy custody cases to spend years at a time arguing about single elephants and losing. There's a reason why activists focus their attention here in the United States and in other prominent countries. It's because they know they will get the attention that they want. This is Gray Stafford again, and he's still angry. For the organizations, it's it's about the attention. I mean, I live in the United States. We have a reality TV star president, right? New York and Los Angeles and Washington, D.C. Why? It's because there's a huge media presence there, and it garners the kind of attention and outrage and outlandishness that some organizations go for. I don't have time for some of that because my goal is to preserve the planet, not raise money for my offshore retirement accounts for this nonprofit or that. We live in a very, very divisive society. We have a lot of people saying very nasty things about these organizations sometimes. And while they may be a small subset of of the human population, they have large megaphones. They've got cell phones. They've got selfies. They've got Facebook. They've got all kinds of technology to help echo what in the past was kind of like, you know, an evening complaint by five or six disgruntled people. They got their little hit on the evening news and they were gone. Well, now lies live on in perpetuity. And these people are really good at making money at that. Steve doesn't dispute the publicity angle. In fact, he agrees with it. When we first, when we, when we first filed our lawsuits as lawyers, we kind of thought all the action was in the courts. And then it turned out that... Um, the media was really, really interested in what we were doing. And then we, we think that's kind of, that that's kind of a loop. And so the media get interested, and then the judges get interested, more interested, and the media gets more interested. And so we, so we, we, one of the reasons that we began litigating in New York City is that it's the, one of the media capitals of the world. And so we thought, and also the Bronx Zoo is this kind of sacred cow in, um, in, in New York, and so we wanted to go after them because we thought that, that, that the media uh, would both be sympathetic to Happy and, you know, the, you know, it's like suing your mother if you're, you know, if you're suing the Bronx Zoo. So it turns out that those things, you know, have been true. Steve Wise really believes he can and will win, eventually. In his first case, for Tommy, the Habeas Corpus petition was rejected outright. But now he has three-day trials and appeals hearings. He's chipping away at legal stonework, and he's only ever one judgment away from success. But time and again, the zoo's lawyers bring it back to his past failures. 
the previous determinations of the law, and it's wearing thin. Almost halfway through the third day, Manning intervenes. And now, on the third day of argument on the legal petition, we are basically going through an evidentiary analysis with opinions of counsel sprinkled throughout. A steam of frustration fills the courtroom. But the arguments have been made. The Non-Human Rights Project believes that elephants generally display human-like autonomy, intelligence, compassion and flexibility. And further that Happy, as only one of two elephants to pass the mirror test, has shown remarkable self-awareness, akin to that of a human child. We've heard the stories of how Happy's captive home is so different to her natural one, and how, alone for 14 years, as you can see afar from a monorail, she lacks companionship. We normally don't get this close. Hi, Happy. Good girl. For its part, the zoo has argued that Happy is cared for and looked after well by people who know her needs. But that the law is clear. Happy, like all animals, as has been ruled time and again, well, Happy's not a person. She's a remarkable elephant, but she's not a person. And moving her from one zoo to another doesn't conform with habeas law, quite apart from risking her health and welfare. Both sides have made compelling emotional, moral and legal points. And so, to the verdict. Judge Stewart has listened, carefully. She's probed and considered, and now, on February the 19th this year, just before the pandemic flooded our consciousness, she delivers her opinion. Regrettably, in the instant matter, this court is bound by the legal precedent set by the appellate division when it found that animals were not persons entitled to rights and protections afforded by the writ of habeas corpus. She goes on to say, This court is extremely sympathetic to Happy's plight and the non-human rights project's mission on her behalf. It recognises that Happy is an intelligent, autonomous being with advanced analytical abilities akin to human beings, and that she should be treated with respect and dignity, and may be entitled to liberty. In legal terms, Wise has lost. Again. But he came out of court buoyant and immediately announced his intention to appeal. We are used to this process of beginning in the trial court, not getting exactly what we ask for, but making some kind of incremental progress. We're getting very close to a point when judges feel, uh, you know, they can get some of these previous decisions out of the way. And that's because he knows that where it matters most is not in a court of law, but in the court of public opinion. Because it's not the court that will decide the future course of these bigger questions. That will be answered in legislation, guided, of course by the public. I've spent the last few months embedded in Happy's story and its ramifications, hopping from one side of the proverbial fence to the other, swayed and moved by the stories that all of our witnesses have told. For what it's worth, here's what I think. I've always loved elephants, in the way that I love pizza and David Bowie, instinctively and in a sense, unthinkingly. I grew up partly in Africa and have been privileged to have seen hundreds, maybe even a thousand elephants in the wild. I've never touched an elephant. I've been charged by one. And I've sat at sunset and marvelled as a family of elephants played at a waterhole. From close up or far away, elephants are awe-inspiring. 
But before I started getting acquainted with Happy, and to my great regret, I've not had a chance to meet her in person, I didn't really think about what it must be like to be an elephant. I still don't know, of course. But thanks to the insights of people like Joyce and Lucy and Erin and Josh, people who've spent a great part of their lives with elephants, I feel a little closer to understanding them. Elephants belong in the wild, living like elephants. We humans are doing our best to make that difficult for them. We're stealing their lands as well as their lives. We should try to make amends, and where we can't, we should try to find better ways to live alongside them. That's easier said than done, but it's also where zoos can help. The money they raise can be used to protect elephants and conserve their habitats, to fund research programmes looking into how people can live with elephants, safely and profitably. As for captive elephants, well, ideally, they don't belong in city zoos and categorically not in circuses, however much their handlers and trainers may care for them. But there are some zoos and wildlife parks, like Erin Zoo in North Carolina or the Tennessee Elephant Sanctuary, which have more space, as well as the expertise to care for their existing elephants, living in multi-generational herds. And also, if we don't sort out the slaughter and habitat destruction of wild animals, to keep the gene pools going through captive breeding programs. There's new evidence that suggests a failure to protect the world's largest land mammals, elephants. A new study, the Great Elephant Census, found that between 2007 and 2014, the savanna elephant population in Africa declined by at least 30%. Is there thinking now that we could actually see elephants becoming extinct in our lifetime? On to Happy's case. This is complicated. It's really, it's not about Happy and her life as much as it is about the bigger picture, about what rights animals should have. Protect the Harvest, a lobby group of farmers and ranchers, which filed an amicus brief in support of Bronx Zoo, did not pull its punches. It knows it needs but one win for the floodgates to open. If this court, or any court, finds that Happy or any other non-human animal is entitled to habeas corpus rights, the Non-Human Rights Project will redouble its efforts to create a new common law, one that would allow virtually all animals to be freed, thereby irrevocably upsetting the social balance. While the Non-Human Rights Project attempts to focus the court's attention solely on Happy, the court should not be fooled. If this court opens the door to habeas corpus for one elephant, it will not easily be closed. Well, that sounds quite momentous. But both sides have retreated to their respective corners from which to fling mud and vitriol at each other without recognising the big common ground. They both really do care about animals. And let's face it, this battle isn't helping happy. The Non-Human Rights Project has been very open with us. The Bronx Zoo, on the other hand, flatly refused to speak to us, which was unhelpful to them as well as to us. But I did hear from sources who were not prepared to talk on the record that as a result of the publicity that has swelled around Happy's case and the abuse that has been hurled at the zoo for keeping Happy alone, she's getting to spend less time outside where she can be seen to be alone and more confined to her enclosure, alone. 
Steve Wise chose Happy as a client because she would get this sort of publicity for his cause. In a sense, then, Happy's taking one for the team. But even with the added restrictions to her life caused by this case, she is by no means the worst off elephant in America. Her health is monitored closely. She has vets, nutritionists and carers. The Wildlife Conservation Society, which owns and runs Bronx Zoo, is one of the biggest wildlife charities in the world. Last year, it donated over $120 million to conserving wildlife in Africa, Asia and the Americas. For the past two years, a not inconsiderable chunk of that money, as well as time, will instead have been diverted into legal fees. While I would love to see Happy living out her days in the sanctuary, joined there by dopey, bashful and sneezy, in what would be the Disney ending their names deserve, I can appreciate the zoo's caution. They don't want to take the risk with her safety. But maybe more than that, with the fallout that her being declared a legal person could have on zoos around the world. This has got to change. We are animals too. And the more we learn about the intelligence and the complex emotional life of other species, the greater the imperative for that change. We know elephants have empathy. That's clear from the consideration they show others from how they mourn their dead. It's time for us to use our empathy and to imagine what it must be like to be an elephant. They're not things. They deserve rights. But the same rights as humans? How does that work? Where do we draw the line between a human, an elephant and say a chicken or a river or a tree Joyce Poole has drawn up the Elephant Charter its guiding principles spell out how elephants should live in the wild and in captivity it doesn't solve the problems that elephants face now but it's a good start anyone and everyone who thinks they care about elephants should read it and think about it I've realised in this process in choosing to focus on happy we're doing what we always do in anthropomorphizing animals and trying to accord human rights, like that of liberty, to animals. The more you understand animals, the more you understand both how similar and how different they are to each other and to us. And so they can't have the same rights as humans. That doesn't mean they should have none. In this sense, regardless of the verdict next month, Happy has made her case. That is the story of Happy, the elephant in the courtroom. I hope you've enjoyed it. It's been quite a journey for me, and it wouldn't have been possible without the support of Tortoise. So if Happy's story so far is one that's touched you, and you'd like to listen to or read more Tortoise investigations, the best thing to do is download the Tortoise app, now available in the iOS or Google Play stores. You can take a 30-day free trial to get you going, which gives you access to the Tortoise members app and all the journalism Tortoise does. As well as early bird access to the latest audio stories and in-depth investigations, you'll get the chance to come to daily open editorial events called Thinkins, where you can share your view with Tortoise editors and guest speakers. These include Elizabeth Day and James O'Brien in the next couple of weeks. You'll also get The Sensemaker, a daily newsletter email full of calm and clear analysis delivered straight to your inbox and loads of other member benefits from special summits to editor voicemails. So please do try the app and hope you enjoy it. Thank you. Da-da-da-da, done, boom. Hold up. 
traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Hi, I'm Gemma Ware, host of the Conversation Weekly podcast. Each week, I get to speak to some of the smartest people in the world as they connect their new research to the biggest news and issues of today. You'll get a bit of everything from how women are changing North Korea to the emerging science of interoception, our sixth sense, to the importance of intellectual humility. Follow The Conversation Weekly for new episodes every Thursday and read more stories direct from academic experts every day on theconversation.com.